0: How, how do we stay free? I made a couple of notes before we jump into Romans six, of staying free is really us delighting in our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's one of the keys to us staying free and walking in freedom and staying fresh and, and, and not getting ourselves so tangled up that we're like a, a broken mess that needs, you know, this expert deliverance session. But actually as we learn to delight in Him, like this morning's worship time was we actually train ourselves to stay free. We stay in intimate relationship with the Lord, which keeps us free. And, um, and uh, we see how precious His salvation is for us. And we live in that place of, has a word, of treasuring our Christ as everything. As our, he's our Savior, he's our Lord, he's, he's our treasure. And for Him to be our treasure takes a lot of tunnel vision, right? And gazing and sacrificing, and getting everything out of the way, and just getting eyes on Him, and He becomes our treasure. So let me ask, but how, how do we do this? You know, that, that sounds, you know, I, I know that it's theory, but sometimes I really struggle in making that a reality. I want to ask, when, when last did we, or any of us, invest a lot of prayer, even meditation, with one, even just conversation with our Lord, for one purpose? And it's not to get something from him or get an answer for something or even breakthrough in an area, but simply to create a stronger connection between you and your Lord. <laughs> with, with a soul intention. How, how often do we go there with that intention? It's often the, the former, right? Because we live in a we need answers, Lord. We need breakthrough. We need we need direction, Lord. But what about just meditating and praying and spending time with the treasure of our life? Simply conversating with Him for a long time. Simply to create in us a desire for Him. A desire for intimacy. And a desire to see Him as our treasure. So here's here's the line I wanted to to finish that little intro on. We have desires, okay? And... uh, Excuse me, what we feed those desires ultimately directs the way we live. So, if we feed the desires of our body, which is a body that we are continually uh, submitting to the Lord and His ways, or we're going to f- submit our desires to, to the treasure, to Him, in a place of intimacy and allow Him to actually change our desires and make them desire Him more and more and more. So Jesus is not only truth. This is what I wanted to share. He is truth. His word is truth. But Jesus is not only truth, capital T. He's also treasure, capital T. Maybe see treasure in all T, maybe the whole word in capitals today is treasure. And just let truth subside a little bit. Because he is truth, but I'm not going to focus on that. Because often we know, we know he's true. It can almost be, uh, I want to say like, I don't know if the word is wooden. Uh, wooden, so not, not wooden, but we we know he's true. But it almost becomes like academic, and he can even feel distant as a true father. Do you know what I'm saying? But when he's treasure, it's never distant. He's here. He's here. He's leading. He's changing my desires to want him, not just for the truth he brings, and like direction and his word, and where, just treasure him. Now, my heart is that we just treasure him this morning. And if you're struggling with that, he's going to change it today. Absolutely believe that. And in a moment of prayer, hands in the air, someone standing with you, he's going, to make, he's going to make known to you what tunnel love looks like and what it looks like to be treasured. Okay. Now, Romans 6, I don't know if we're going to be able to follow, but why don't you follow in the, in a, I'm reading from NIV, but Romans 6, the chapter, we'll whiz through the main portion of it Okay, there we go. Otherwise, on your phones. But it's really cool. Some of the guys and me, we're getting together each week, and we're going through Romans. (coughs) And it's been really cool. But uh, I want to jump straight into, from from, from verse 1, Romans 6, verse 1, and let's go together. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning or falling short of God's uh, standard so that His grace may increase? And this is picking up from chapter 5, which is always good to read before. Um, They're struggling with this concept of grace. Um, And then Paul says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So straight away in verse 2, Paul gives us the identity of who we are. We've actually already died to sin. Those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, one. And two, turned away from our old life, which is repentance. If we've done those two things, we're dead to sin. We need to know that. So we can't live in it any longer. This is his way into freedom or staying free, okay, from last week. This is Paul talking about staying free, okay. In verse 3, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were also baptized into his death? That's an important one. We'll come back there. We We were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Okay. For if we've been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. In verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, so that the body, ruled by sin, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That's the opposite of being free and staying free. Being a slave to sin. Okay? Verse 7, because anyone who's died has been set free from sin. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. How amazing. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Okay. Verse 11, 12, 13, and I'm going to stop there. In the same way, count yourselves, that's us, dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin in an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought, sorry, yeah, brought from death to life. Those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Thank you, Mark. So you see how involved we are. I'm going to end at verse 13. We're quite involved, aren't we? In verse 11, 12, 13. We ask to count ourselves dead to sin. So counting ourselves is very practical. We need to look at ourselves, take account for ourselves, and and talk into our identity. So if we've given our heart to Jesus, if we've repented and turned from our ways and put our faith in Jesus, then we need to count ourselves, which means we take hold of who we now are in Him. We're dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus is the key, that we stay in Him, that we stay tunnel vision with Him, that we stay walking with Him, that we stay intimate with that we actually know Him. We don't just know about Him or know about His truth. Knowing about His truth is not treasuring Him. You're going to treasure Him when we know Him when we are in Christ Jesus. And that's the key because then we can count ourselves dead to sin when we know Him and treasure Him and walking with Him constantly. That is the beauty here, guys. I hope we can see the treasure in that. And the second thing, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. That means we have to do something about it. If God says to me in his word, Neil, do not let sin. I, I can't just sit around passive. I've got to take arms. I've got to do battle. <laughs> Sometimes, like last week, I need to ask for prayer. I need to get my brothers around me. I need to say, Lord, I'm struggling. I've, let, I've offered my, something again. Help me. And his grace is enough. Okay? He also says, Paul also writes, (coughs) excuse me, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument to wickedness. Sometimes the breakdown is not instrument but weapon, and I quite like that. Every part of our body, from our eyes, our tongue I'd mentioned, to our feet, our hands, every part of our body is a weapon. The question is, whose hands is it in? You know, the king, the true king, or the pretender to the throne? Warfare is not just, we wait for Dave and Kenan. And then they share some stuff. And then when the anointing's there, there's spiritual warfare. And it's like one Saturday in the year. And then it, we'll never stay free. Now, staying free is like warfaring daily. And, uh, and like choosing to treasure Jesus and give ourselves and offer the parts of our body to Him and then to one another. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful way to live. And we are called to keep doing that. And Paul is reminding the Roman church and he's actually, I think, giving them a battle plan in chapter six. That's what I. It's a beautiful, rich book and the chapter, but he's actually giving a, a beautiful battle plan, which I'm going to touch on now. Maybe the battleground and the people involved. Uh, so, in our house, as our friends will know. There's a lot of talk about kings and castles and battles, because Reuben loves that stuff. But let's just picture our bodies for a moment. So, each of us in our mortal bodies. Seeing our body as a, as a castle, if you like. And those of us that are born-again believers have a king in that castle. And his name is Jesus. And uh, there's a throne. And he reigns there, okay? He reigns there. Stick with me for a moment. Verse 12 actually talks about that, doesn't it? It says, don't let... Uh, um, it talks about reigning. So if there's reigning, there's a throne, okay? There's a throne in our body. So do not let sin reign. In other words, do not let sin have a place on the throne. It's Jesus' throne, okay? Remember, the body is the castle right now. Verse 12, there is a challenger to the throne. It's, it's sin. His name is Satan. He wants that place in our hearts. He wants it back. Remember, he had it once. We, we didn't all pop out the womb born again. We had to be born again from that birth, okay? The, even the little ones here, as precious as they are, okay? Hey? Toby and Joy have done nothing wrong yet. They, don't, they haven't been able to do anything wrong. They're too small. But they are going to need to be born again. Spiritual birth into the kingdom with Jesus ruling their, the heart. And we trust that that's going to happen in their days. Amen. So here's the thing. The human body is this castle. Then we have servants to the king. Picture uh, um, The servants in the castle. I don't know if that includes the peasants. I think they're on the outside. But the servants in the castle, right? Yeah, they serve the king and the king only. But the problem, so the desires of our mortal body. See our desires as the servants. The king of the castle, Jesus, wants our servants, the the body parts, to serve him alone. And that's what Paul is saying. Offer yourselves, every part of you, to him. And his warning is don't offer them as instruments of wickedness to the other king or the pretender to the throne. And the reality is that we can. That's why the warning is here. The reality is that we've got, we've got an enemy that wants to take our desires, corrupt them, and twist them, and make them desires for our flesh the things that we want, the things of the fallen nature. And the, the reality is that Jesus has dealt with us on the cross. We need to live in it, but we need to take battle daily. And we grow in this place. You with me, guys? Okay, good. Cool. See, because the weapons in the castle are used to advance the cause of the king. It's either King Jesus' cause, if he has every part of our mortal bodies submitted to him. Or, if we don't, if we lose this battle, then guess who has access to... Our tongue, if it's gossiping, and slandering. I'm telling you, Jesus doesn't have. Right now, you haven't offered that part of your body to. That's a very practical way of looking at it. If if we if we get into gossip and slander, oh, there's grace. Jesus, help me. Thank you for showing me, and, you, and he, then it's it's done, and He forgets as far as the east to the west. But be aware that we have an enemy that wants to take captive of every part, our, our, from our brains to our hands, our feet, where we spend our time, what we look at, what we say. And uh, the reality is that this is a, there's a castle and there's a on for the throne. Okay. It's a cool picture, hey? And then I'll finish with the last point and then touch on a few things. Um, <laughs> there's an authority in the kingdom. There's always authority in the kingdom. That's what I love. There's medieval stories. There's such servant-heartedness, obedience. There's like so much authority. But a lot gets abused as well. That's what's terrible. <laughs> But it's wonderful to see an army submitted and under authority because that's an army that can be useful. And those armies of those days did things, you know. And I look at our army, Greenpoint, and the church army, and, like, we got a lot of, like, soldiering up to do and manning up to do, you know. We are, we are so different to those days, you know. But we are, we are God's people, God's army with His authority. We, in His eyes, we're able to take much more ground, than the medieval kings and castles took. And they took some serious ground. They conquered nations. and You know what I mean? So there's so much for us, I think, to grasp out of this. And so God talks about grace. He gives us grace in this passage, which is the ability to, uh, to change us. Uh, grace justifies us. It's a big word. Grace puts us into the place as we believe as we as we turn from our ways, grace puts us into what Jesus did on the cross and then his resurrection, and we die into that place. As we go under the waters of baptism after we've given our heart to Jesus, we actually die. Our sinful nature dies in that place. And grace, nothing we could have done. It was purely grace that saved us. We know. Think back to your salvation, was his unmerited favor. Nothing you could do, Tracy, nothing you could do, Louis, I did it. It's my grace. And it's beautiful, and powerful, and freeing, staying free. It's this grace that keeps us free. It's this grace that freed us in the beginning, and it's the grace that keeps us free. But grace, God's grace does doesn't only set us right with the Father or justify us, it also changes us. And the evidence of the grace working in our life, the evidence of us doing spiritual warfare in His grace and in Jesus Christ's intimacy, the evidence is that we will change. And we will be more and more free. And we will be quicker to grab hold of our tongues when they, you know, when we've offered a part of our body not to the Lord. And we see it because His grace is there to show us. And in a moment deals with it. And we, we, we adjust and we change and we set free. And we don't have to always wait for a deliverance session, if you like. He wants us to go on living in freedom. And then when we disciple people, which is our great commission, Matthew 28, when we really get busy with what God has for us, guess what? We can bring others into freedom, which is really the point of last week is equipping ourselves, Tuesday night with Jonathan, equipping ourselves to share the good news, to, to share the gospel, to bring people into Salvation, and then show them how to walk in freedom for the rest of their life. And that's our life, that's our life purpose, right? That's what we're made for. That's what we're created for. Um, so this grace, here are five implications that I believe will help us stay in life, walk in life, walk in freedom. The first one, we're united in Christ, verse five. Maybe if you just want five bullet points. The first thing is we need to know that we're united with Jesus, which is in verse five. Um, union, union with Christ is really big in Paul's New Testament writing. You'll see it all over. But let's not gloss over it. Let's like really stop and go like, Lord, how am I doing with that? How am I doing with that, you know? <coughs> A lot of times we just want to follow uh, Jesus. Like, okay, I'm going to follow you as an obedient servant. I'm going to follow what you did, where you walked, Jesus. But what about the fact that we actually married to him? Which brings us back to tunnel vision, intimacy, fire, love, kindness, His grace. Because yes, we do follow Him, but we've got to know that we're wed to Jesus. It's marriage. It's, you're locked to Him. It's beautiful. And then from that place, guess what? Following Him is easy. But don't try to follow Him when you've gotten that you're wed to Him. Don't try to follow Him when, he's, when you need to make Him your treasure again. Because it's going to be really difficult to do what... Jesus asked us to do if he's not our treasure and our beauty. Okay. Second one, the old, verse six, the old self was crucified. So, first one, we're united in him. Second one, we were crucified. Our old self was crucified on the cross. So, here's the thing because he was sinless, because he took the weight of sin on his shoulders, because he paid for it for us, because we weren't able to pay for it, because we We owe Him our very lives. And because we united with Him, we were also crucified with Him, our old nature at that point. And guess what? Sin's power over our life was broken on the cross. We need to remind ourselves. We struggle with this freedom and staying free, but we forget that the beautiful news, that sin's reign, which is that the power over our lives, our heart, the throne, our cause, was dealt with by Jesus' perfect life on the cross. So if we give our body parts over and struggle in this area, it's, it's, it's because we're not seeing what He's done. We're not living in that place. When we live from the victory that's already happened, staying free becomes a beautiful journey. And we should go from victory to victory. We're growing in greater degrees of glory. We're growing up in our faith. As Christians, we are little Christ's. It means we're little ones growing up to become like our perfect perfect dad. Okay. <coughs> Sorry, third point. We're set free, verse 7. We're set free. And verse, uh, at point verse 4, we will live with Christ, which is in verse 8 and 9. And the last point, 5, we're alive to God, the Father. Verse 10 and 11. So now we join Jesus in the life that he has, which is a resurrection life from the, from the dead. So not only do we unite with him in his death through our baptism, but we unite and we, we are unified with him also in his resurrection life. And we must remember that. There were three things that happened when he, when he, when he uh, rose again. First one was it was historically recorded. It was an event. It happened. It definitely happened. (laughs) And uh, something happened for us as well, is that we have a historical moment when we came to him. Something happened in our life that we must never forget. There was power there when we put our faith in Jesus. There was power when we were baptized in the water and symbolically experienced his death and then his resurrection. So it was historical second, we were united with him. There was an, an experience. I don't know, my great experience was actually coming up the waters of baptism. Taryn with me? It's, it's kind of the date that I remember more than when I gave my heart to him. Because there was like this coming to him, coming to him, hand at the top, prayer. And, but the baptism was this experiential, powerful moment. I, I can actually now apply your death and resurrection, Jesus, to my life. There was a moment, a date, and I experienced something of a release of so many things that used to hold me down. Such weighty things I was now free of. Okay. Jesus accomplished something in a time of history. We need to apply that by faith in our own lives. We need to apply it to ourselves, which takes faith. Where do we get faith from? tunnel vision with Jesus experiences fire experiences intimacy faith comes from hearing hearing his truth the word and we then apply those truths and then we think of baptism baptism into his death and into his life now, baptism really is who's old enough to remember tied out shirts <laughs> have they come back in Oh, okay. Still got one. So tie-dye shirts, I never made one, but some friends of mine used to make them. Picture a white t shirt, you fill it with you you fill the bath full of dye, different color dye, I think. Then you dunk that white t shirt in the water. Don't do it like that. We did it wrong in the nineties. But somehow it goes like this. Plain white t shirt gets dunked into liquid water, and lots of colorful dyes, something like that, when you take it out, oh, Amy, come, Amy, come, Amy, come tell us quickly, come tell us, okay, yeah, 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 The point is, something goes in one color and comes out another color. It's a miracle. And I'm going to have some water. But I remember thinking these are like the ugliest shirts ever because they are multicolored. Like every color under the sun, that shirt is just colorful. Baptism is the same. We have to be immersed in that water. But that is symbolic of us being immersed in Jesus. It's as if we were a white t-shirt going into our Savior and Lord Jesus. So immersed in intimacy with Him that when we come out, we can't be recognized. The white t-shirt's gone. It's like multi-colored universe t-shirt now. Like every pink and color under the sun. And you're like, Mark, you're so different. Like It's radically different because you've been immersed into Him. So That is the symbolic moment, but it's not just a, a, actually there is a reality to, it's symbolic, but it's also so real and powerful. And so I think when Paul writes in Romans that we are, we need to know our baptism into His death, we need to know that our mortal bodies have died just like Jesus died, because we can't then be united in His resurrection. And the life that Paul talks about until we know that we're properly dead. Excuse me. So I was thinking about this a lot. Like we want to be unified with his life. We want to be united with him in his freedom, his life. But until we are dead and buried and crucified, until our old self is properly in the ground, then our body parts, our mortal body parts, are going to continue being offered to sin. And we don't stay free, guys. So, we need to crucify ourselves. And it's a once-off, but it's also ongoing. Just as our salvation and our healing was a once-off done on the cross, but also we're growing up in our sanctification, which is growing up to become like Christ. We're also need to know how serious our death is. We need to put ourselves to it. So maybe in a response of prayer, I felt where, where Paul writes, come to offer ourselves again. I'll go back to verse 11, 12, 9, 10, 11, 12, 11, 12, 13. 13. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument or a weapon of wickedness, but rather offer ourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Offer every part of yourself to Him. That's what I felt Him say in the week as a response for us, is that have we done this before? Do we need to do this again? To offer every part of ourselves to Him. Every part. Maybe there's a part of yourself you've held back or an area you just don't get breakthrough in. Maybe the response for you today is to come in His, in His presence and offer that part of yourself to Him. That's the one point. The second one is maybe there's something that you recognize. You need to put a part of you into the ground and make sure it's there. Just crucify that thing. Say, Lord, I'm going to die to that thing. I'm going to die to my selfish desire. I'm going to die to that desire that keeps wanting to corrupt my desire for you, to see you as a treasure. Whatever that is, allow him to show you what it is, so that your desires, like the servants in the castle, can only be for the king. Because if there's a war going on with your desires inside, you're going to have trouble in the castle. You're not going to be able to serve the king the way he demands. So, two things. Can we stand? I'll say those again, okay? Come, let's close our eyes. I feel like the, just to hover on those two points once more and say like I do want to create a space um, of prayer for certainly for anyone who last week didn't get a chance. I want to invite you guys. You can even, just if that's you, just come, please would you just come and stand with me in the front. You realize you wanted prayer for something last Saturday. You didn't get round to it or you didn't complete it or didn't finish, why don't you come stand in the front? And one or two of us would love to pray for you. You can come forward now. Think about what might have been highlighted on Saturday. Maybe you wrote something down and you didn't get a chance. Don't hold back. Don't miss a moment. Maybe something very small, but actually in God's eyes, it might be something really, really big that that He wants to do. Okay. So the rest of us, let's just close our eyes and hear these two points over again. Felt like the first response be that Jesus is looking for us to offer parts of our body, ourselves, to Him. And there's grace to do that again today. It's the first one. Okay. The second one is that you realize at his death on the cross, his crucifixion. You haven't, you've identified more in his life and concentrated on his resurrection, but you realize something has been missing in burying your old self in the ground. Just saying, Lord, I'm going to crucify myself again. I lay myself down with you into the ground. Can I ask if that's you, did you just raise your hand or put your hand on your heart? Maybe first response is raise hand. Second response, put your hand on your heart so I can pray. Second response, crucify the old self, members of the body that you want to, yeah, put down into the ground and crucify. I can see hands on the heart, so we'll pray for you guys. And for the first, first is just a hand in the air so we can see you as well, that you would offer yourselves. Offer the parts of your body to serving the King. Offer yourselves to Jesus, who is our treasure. Okay? Awesome. Okay.